Welcome to Parenting Refreshed, an original podcast from UNICEF that explores the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on parents, caregivers, and children. From mental health and technology to climate change, immunization, war, and the health issues of tomorrow. Each episode features experts in that field informing us about the latest information that science and experience has to offer. That is why UNICEF Parenting brings together some of the world's leading experts to share facts, helpful tips, and practical guidance. Information that parents can trust to help give their children the best start in life. Head to unicef.org forward slash parenting. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're speaking with two mothers about the experiences of war. The first is Arifa Omid, who had to flee Afghanistan after the Taliban took over in 2021. She fled to Pakistan with her newborn baby girl and the rest of her family, only then to return to Afghanistan without them. She is talking to mother and psychologist Svetlana Roiz, who is close to the Ukrainian capital Kyiv, who is with her parents, her daughter and her cat. The city has been attacked and its power stations as well on the morning we recorded. They'd heard several blasts nearby. Hi, Svetlana. Hope you are well. My little daughter, she is here. She just, she's sitting next to me and now she's happy. She's smiling. (laughs) My daughter is here. She came back from her school. Sorry. Um, Just wanted to know, tell us a little bit about your story. Where are you now and what's happening? My name is Svetlana Roiz. I am a psychologist. I'm a mother of two kids. My daughter is almost eight years old. My son is almost 21 years old. I'm staying in Ukraine, uh, in the village close to Kiev, and uh, I'm living here with my daughter, my parents, and our cat. And this is where we have our basement. That's where we can hide and uh, be in uh, some kind of safety. First two weeks of the war, uh, we spent uh, in the basement. And then the military airport is also right next to us. And uh, my daughter, she has heard uh, the explosions. Today we had the morning, which is unfortunately already usual morning for all Ukrainians. Myself and my daughter woke up several minutes before the explosion. Then I told my daughter to get her stuff together and go to school. Then when we heard the explosion, she got up by herself. She got her belongings together very quickly. And then she was looking in my eyes quite thoroughly. She all the time wants to lean on my 
calmness and uh, on my strength. I have to get all that from somewhere all the time. This is the life of all the parents in Ukraine. At the same time, I tried to get connected with Kiev, where my son has been living right now. I couldn't get hold of them. I really feel very sad for you. And uh, yeah, to know that also that you haven't contacted your son yet and your, you and all the parents in Ukraine are dealing with this type of situations. Thank you, Arifa. I feel the common ground with all the mothers because we are all connected with our love and all our hopes for the better future for our kids. You're such a brave mother. Thank you. Like all <laughs> us. I have three children, Farhan, Noyan and Sana. They are all below six years old. Being a parent in Afghanistan is not easy. You always have the fear of losing them at some points. Before Taliban took over, I had a very lucky family. We were like a very lucky family. My older son used to go to school. But after Taliban took over, everything suddenly changed. There was like a horror in everyone's face, not only me and my family, but each Afghan's. We made a decision to flee to Pakistan, and it was one of the worst trip I ever had. My daughter was only like four or five months old. I talked with my two sons one night. When I was talking with Noyan, he told me that, Mother, don't you love me anymore? Don't you want me to come to be with you and to live with you? Imagine my son is just like four years old. What things have gone through his mind that made him say these type of words? That night, it really made me cry. How could I really told him that my home is not safe for him? And how could I told him that how much I love him? After that, on January 2022, I came back to Afghanistan with my three kids. But because of the security reasons, my husband remained in Islamabad and our family got parted. During that time, um, I was very overwhelming because I was single parenting for three kids. There was like almost every day a suicide attacks was happening there. I really didn't feel uh, secure for my children to be in there and I really didn't want uh, them to be in danger. Arifa, I really want to be somewhere close to you in order to hug you, hold your hand, because I'm really impressed by your love and by your strength, by what you're doing. During the first days of the war, my husband decided to be a volunteer in the territorial defense. The most difficult memory for me is the moment when he was saying goodbye to his daughter. Her being hysterical and shouting, don't you love me? You are leaving me. Kids perceive whatever is going on during the war. And he was saying that it's my call, and uh, if I don't do it, I will not forgive myself, if I do not protect you. 
because we cannot say that I'm going to fight in the war because of you. Because she might say, I didn't ask you for that. I want you to be with me. Now my daughter is eight years old, but uh, now her age is quite difficult. Uh, her age is uh, close to a teenage age. And uh, we, all the adults, should return to the kid the feeling of the childhood. When he went to Kiev, we were talking to her so often, saying that our love can be shown differently. And sometimes it is composed of very difficult decisions. Because our strongest weapon is the feeling of life that we will not give to the enemy. Svetlina, you are talking very professional. I mean, is that because you have learned, you, you, you did like a self-learning for the parenting? Or is this because it's your professional expertise? Well, actually, uh, the experience of being a psychologist helps me a lot during the war. And I'm not only a family kids psychologist, I'm also a trauma therapist. The knowledge of being able to realize the processes which are ongoing with uh, me and my close ones. Great. Mm-hmm. And here my professional identity saves me. It was such a really hard decision for me to be apart from my kids. But, you know, when you see uh, your country, you see the mothers, you see the children, Afghanistan is one of the most poor country around the world. Above 90% uh, of the people are living under poverty. The children are uh, severe acute malnutrition. When I see those children, I am and my children are very lucky. That's what made me make this decision to work for UNICEF and to continue working. And now I'm going to tell you a funny thing. The most important thing for my child was that we are taking our cat with us. During this war, Ukrainians were not leaving behind anyone even the smallest pets or animals. And my daughter said that now I can see that Shira is the name of the cat, is with us, and I'm sure that you will do everything for me too. One uh, very important thing that uh, I'm talking about uh, with my daughter and with other kids is that we are not the victims of the circumstances. This helps us to sustain the strength. I have heard that in the words of you, Arifa. Great. Svetlina, how do you talk to your children about war? We know that we should tell the truth all the time to the kids. The truth that they can digest in their age. We should not burden them with a lot of details, but whatever we will tell them will become their narrative, their book of life. That is why I was talking to my children and to other children about the fact that Russia attacked Ukraine and that there is no our fault in that because kids always ask why is it always our fault? Arifa, how did you talk to your kids about unsafety? 
So my children, they are actually below six years old. They are so young and they really don't know a lot about war. It's really hard to talk to them about what's going on. But they ask me that, mom, if it's possible, let's go back to our home where we belong. The fact that my son used to go to school, but now he isn't. He really miss his school and his classmates too. My older son, Farhan, he banded one of my scarves around his head and pretending to wear a lungi. And he came to me and said, Mama, look at me, I'm Taliban. And he was like feeling very proud. Somehow in, in his early age, he noticed that the Taliban wear lungi, they have guns, they have power. So I asked him to come and sit next to me. I told him, do you think having a gun is a good thing? Killing, oh, and, I, and he whispered, no, mama. And then I told him, baby, please don't do this again. I also always try to be as much as honest with my kids and uh, try to still feel protected. Thank you, Arifa. I again thought that all the mothers in the whole world become wings and roots for their kids. You're listening to UNICEF Parenting Refreshed, a series of podcasts looking at different aspects of parenting in a world transformed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We're doing something a little different. We're speaking with two mothers about the experiences of war. The first is Arifa Omed. She is talking to mother and psychologist Svetlana Royce. Just a reminder that if you're affected or curious about any of the issues we're discussing, then please head to unicef.org forward slash parenting for support, advice, and more podcast episodes like this one. Svetlina, can you tell us about your daily routine and how you stick to it in order to keep your children reassured during what's going on? Do you still focus on completing the schoolwork and homework, playtime? And can you stick to your self-care routine? When, after a few months of the war, I uh, started observing the first element of the post-traumatic shock of my kid, I started recreating this routine ritual. I later on saw uh, the first smiles of my kid since the beginning of the war, and that was so nice to see that smile again. And that's quite difficult for us now with the routine because now we have this unforeseen missile attacks. If I have electricity, I cook breakfast. If not, it's just quick snacks. I need to make sure that all our phones are charged for the kids to be always in connection. And now my son has just contacted me. He wrote to me. Great to hear that. Yeah. 
The scariest element of the routine is that I have to make sure that my daughter's rucksack has her name and the surname, our addresses and our telephone numbers, just in case. We have one other routine element. We have been doing it since the peaceful time. It is called Five Fingers. Every evening we bend our thumb. So what exercises have you done today for the vitality of your body? The index finger is uh, what new things have you learned today about your brain? The middle finger is uh, what was your state of emotions today. And the no-name finger means whom did you feel close to today. And the pinky is about what have you dreamt about today. For me, it is an opportunity to learn how her day was because it provokes reflections. And it helps me to feel more closeness. That's the feeling of normalcy. I managed to take a time and speak with my for a video call for at least for a half an hour and to talk to them and to keep the feeling that I am with them and that how was your day, what you did. Finally, I would say goodbye and good night to them. I have now again the feeling of respect and the feeling of some kind of relativeness with you, Arifa. Thank you so much. It's really hard to be helpful in a country like Afghanistan because there is no reason to be hopeful. But my hope comes from my children. When I saw them, I, I, I hope and I do whatever I do is for, for them. They are my hope and they are the reasons to me to keep going and to, to not give up, to be brave. Svetlana, how do you stay hopeful? Hope, it moves us to the future and it helps us to withstand our everyday life today. And when it is the hardest, me and my daughter start dreaming about the future. Our country is fighting for the truth. My children, we communicate about the truth and she knows that sometimes the most awful things happen to their good people. But we have a choice. Every day we choose life. And that's my practice, that's my routine. And sometimes when I wake up and when I do not have strength at all, I just say to myself, I choose life. Being hopeful is good, and uh, I really hope one day my country would be peaceful, where all people can live peacefully without war. The greatest amount of support um, I receive in my life that gives me hope is my mother. As um, I am a parent to my children, my mother is my parent. Even though she lives in a different city, uh, she lives in Mazar, but somehow she knows when I'm sad. She calls me and we talk for hours. I seek for her support, for her help. She gives me good advice. She always encourages me and always tells me that you are my brave daughter. And that is what parents do for their children. Uh, my advice to other parents is to always be brave and to not give up. We have responsibilities as a parent, have responsibilities for our people, for our country. 
as we take care of our children, we should also take care of our own selves, our own well-being, and be always hopeful because everything will not remain the same. After these dark and hopeless nights, we would have a bright future. So let's pray for that and let's be hopeful for that. From our resilience, our kids depend. My advice for parents going through similar things is, first of all, it's to take care of themselves. That's literally to set your alarm on your mobile phone to remind you to drink some water or to go to the toilet. Something very simple. When we hear explosions, when we are in the state of fear, it's natural for us to freeze. And that is why we pay attention to ourselves during whatever stress we start playing with our kids or we start singing with them, for example. The kid and the adult have to have an opportunity to take care. For example, we ask the kid to take care of its toy. Or, for example, when I give a bottle of water to the kid, I do not open it for the kid. She will realize the kid can influence something too. All the time I remind the parents that we need to create the circle of support because the community heals. To survive, we need five people. The first one is uh, the one who will provide the expertise and who knows what to do. The second one is the one who will be around and who will help in action, for example, to change the light bulb. The third one is the one who can support in emotions. The fourth one is the one who will ask you how you are and who will be just silent being next to you. And uh, number five is the one uh, who will be able to make you laugh. <laughs> the most important one is the person who saved uh, the sense of humor. It's uh, kind of half a joke. Uh, at the same time, there might be just one person who will combine all these functions. This war uh, gave us a really unbelievable sense of community. That's an unbelievable sense of family and country. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Ashley Clivery. Subscribe wherever you're hearing this so that you know when the new episodes of Parenting Refreshed become available or head to the website for more information unicef.org forward slash parenting Whilst you're there, you'll also find other episodes in the series including discussions around parenting and education They're interested in making sure that their children are able to discover that their child is resilient, that their child makes friends. Immunization. One of the things that I struggled with through the pandemic was finding the right information. And technology. What research shows is, you know, kind of positive parenting, ways of communicating with their child, ways for everyone to learn. It all works much better. Mm-hmm.